Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 154 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? We are sitting in front of each other and healthy. Yes. That's We're going to accept that right uh, now. Yeah, it was weird yeah. last, last week going well, remote. What, what's really funny is, mm. a year ago, Yeah, we did it. I don't think it was exactly a year ago, but it was pretty close on. So it's just an annual remote show is what... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we have our annual recorded shows. Yeah. We have our annual remote shows. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll do that like in memorandum of like in memory of those we lost during COVID. We'll do a one remote show, mm. you know. It hurts, but at the same time kind of reminds us, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess, you know. Yeah. We, we, it might be a neat thing to do or to think about. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot to discuss in this system spotlight, but I do have something I'd like to bring up. Okay. Um, so some of you in our Discord may have noticed that we had a new member, Dice Legends, who is unfortunately still working on some issues with Discord, but they're doing very well. They are a professional D&D show in New Zealand. So they're like the critical role in New Zealand. Uh, and uh, they're a television crew with stage professionals and uh, actors and ran by a producer, uh, actor, voice actor. He's pretty prolific and mm-hmm. huge D&D nerd. Um, and that's uh, uh, Vahid, uh, who has uh, been doing this. And, and like we kind of went back and forth and discussed it. So this isn't necessarily like... Uh, show promo or anything like that, but we were like, hey, you know, community to community. That's relevant. Let's yeah. talk about this. And I know we've got some listeners in New Zealand, so hello to those in New Zealand. Watch this show. So apparently their show is a homebrew system, okay. uh, Arati, which is like a walled city um, that is, uh, has lo- it's a low magic setting where the wizards are registered so much that they have to be officially trained and have a tattoo. Otherwise, they're they're basically like sorcerers and warlocks who are illegal. Oh, I like that. That's, I mean, it's kind cool, of a, yeah. I, I like that. I've always kind of liked that concept, and yeah. it, it's a neat system for that. And all of the players are playing the town guard. Okay. okay so there's okay. four of them. There's a um, there's Acapella, who is a dwarf bard, mm-hmm. uh, played by uh, Raylene. Uh, there is uh, uh, Lona, which is a human wizard, who is uh, played by Ronnie. Uh, Talafo? I think I'm saying that right. Talafo, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sully, who is a human fighter, um, who is played by uh, Truby Dylan Smith, I think is the way that, or Dylan Smith. And then uh, Nemrot, there's a T at the beginning of it, I always have to this Nemrot, uh, is a tiefling cleric, uh, played by Monique uh, Clemenston. Uh, and they play on at 8 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. So they, on uh, Saturday evening, their oh, Saturday, Saturday evenings. evenings. Okay. So I was gonna say, is that a Wednesday thing? Like, are they competing with us? <laughs> no, they aren't. And what's uh, so it's it's just funny the way that their timing works out. Yeah, uh, yeah. for for hitting the times right because I think right now if they're listening right now they're listening at like eleven o'clock uh-huh. to listen to us live. Oh, eleven. Yeah, I saw their, their tweet when I was all yeah, eleven a.m. So, so yeah. uh, we we wish you guys great success on your next show. Uh, and, good, good morning uh, to everybody in New yeah, Zealand. Hello. <laughs> good morning to all of you down there. Um, and we're we're happy to have you uh, join the conclave and and talk through your stories and adventures and help make the community more of a community so yeah yeah. hopefully some of our advice helps make uh you know uh, some shining moments in your show too yeah and and or your next adventure could be a totally different system true 
because D&D is not the only system out there, and we're proving it every time we run this. Speaking of different <laughs> systems. So I'm going to ask you this before we even get into this. Oh, go ahead, ask when, me. When I said we were going to do Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. uh, the One Ring RPG Second Edition, what yeah. was your first thoughts about it? Uh, I, Okay, so... I've got a complicated relationship with Lord of the Rings. It's kind of that like almost elitist in not knowing it sort of sort of thing. Like, oh, all the all the other nerds know Lord of the Rings. I don't. Haha. <laughs> That's my badge of honor. I don't know Lord of the I mean, Rings. You've seen you know? the movies. Well, I mean, I've seen the movies, and but it's kind of the same. I have the same relationship with Lord of the Rings that I did with Star Wars, where it's okay. like I I watched the movies. I enjoyed it. I yeah. tried reading the book once. I made it to. Uh, where they made it debris. Okay. And they first meet Strider. Like, sure. I, I met, I, I got that far in the book and I was like, this is so dense. Well, I mean, you got past I, Tom Bombadil, so I'll give no, you No, I didn't. Oh, that's right, you didn't. No, I didn't. I, I'm I, was, sorry. I was like in the first, like, ten chapters of the book. Like, okay, I that's could fair. just not do it. That's, that's fair. That's um, fair. That's fair. And, uh, uh, so I, but I gave, I gave it an earnest try. Maybe I was in the wrong headspace of the book. Maybe I'll try it again with, like, an audiobook or something like that. But. Honestly, they're really good. There's um, some of the audiobooks are really good. So, but regardless, so like now the RPG gets set in front of you, sight unseen. I'm like, uh, okay. I mean, I feel the same, again, I feel the same way about it that I Star Wars. Like, I appreciate it for culturally what, what impact it's had. But as far as the source material goes, okay. Yeah. So now we've completed with, so yep, with yep, that, we've set the stage. We've set the stage. What is your feeling about this as a, uh, on the whole? So uh, that is it like preparation age? I, yeah, it feels, yeah, it feels pretty good on the whole. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know that I would jump straight to going, I'm in love with the system. That okay. might be a little overstated. We haven't played. We haven't played it. So but I, mechanically I, and looking at the, the system as as we have in this, I would say we've done a solid three-day deep dive on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went out and bought the hardcover book from our FLGS, you did. RIW Hobbies. After I had already bought the digital book for, for the show. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, oh, it's a beautiful book. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about it later because we, we do highlights at the end. Yes, here. yes. I'll, I'll talk about the book. But... Um, I went out and bought a hard copy because it's it's a uh, I, I find it a lot easier to read an actual book than I do like a PDF copy. It's totally like, understandable. Yeah, it's like you know, it's good. It's, I'm liking the system so far. I'll pick it up. Um, my overall impression is that this does D and D better than D and D does D and D. And I love that statement. There's some stuff that will justify that we'll we'll, we'll get through and into this and why I feel very similarly about it. In this thesis, I will. <laughs> yeah. In this show, we will show you that D. We're not going to do a comparison directly. But I agree with the statement, and I think the the core of it is, is that what we believe D and D is played like, what how it is exposed to us, how we think it should. I say how it presents itself. Sell. Yeah, yeah. How it presents itself is not necessarily what you get out of that out of that that package. Right. And we kind of agreed there's going to be a whole show that's going to come out of the discussion that happened after we were done reviewing this ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but I, but I think you know, where, whereas Dungeons and Dragons posits itself as this, like you know, oh, the live the life of an adventurer, you know, go out on long countryside journeys, facing perils, sitting around the campfire with your comrades, and delving into dungeons and facing evils, and then returning home victorious with your riches to re- you know reflect on your on your 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 experiences and grow and learn as a as an adventure just to take off and do it all again the next day what you get instead is a tactical combat simulator mm-hmm. whereas the one ring rpg delivers on every single bullet point of that yep 
So let's kind of get into some history then. Yeah. So it didn't start out where it did. It actually started out in 2011 with uh, the one uh, the One Ring Adventures Over the Edge uh, of the Wild, and that was done by uh, Cubicle Seven. Um, now they're both canonically still in the same place. They still sit between The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. um, timeline wise. And there's I'm, like a 20 year period there, I think. Yeah, which is, I mean, by role playing standards, that's forever. Of, of canon, well, hold on, by role playing standards, that's a really small timeline. 20 years seems tiny. Because like oh. when we talk about Forgotten Realms, okay, or we yeah. talk about Eberron, or we talk about any of these other giant, there's thousands of years that you could fall into different places oh, yeah. along them. Yeah, I've got definitely thousands of years in Tamriel well, as well. Yeah. Think of like Star Wars. Uh-huh. There's Old Republic, New Republic, Clone Wars, all the movies, and there's still there's more than twenty year gaps in those movies in some cases. True. So True. like, well, I shouldn't say all the movies, but in some of them, clearly. Mm-hmm. So like to say that this fits in this nice little twenty your niche this this little spot right here and you're like what are you gonna do in those 20 years that's threading the needle yeah well it's <laughs> yeah. closer to what 7c does yeah like this is literally 7c says here's the year enjoy yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> events are gonna happen um so in uh so they had it in 2011 in 2019 they ceased uh publishing in november and uh that license was then picked up by free league publishing now they picked up the entire license and that, that'll come into play later, but, um, in, in 2020 and then in 2021, they kickstarted, uh, this book, the one ring second edition, uh, as a follow up, mm-hmm. uh, using the original, uh, game creators, the original, uh, two parties in it. And I'm, I'm going to butcher names if I even say them, but, sure, look, sure. uh, but to continue it on and make it better, literally make it a second edition, not a, hey, we're redoing the whole thing and calling it second edition right, with right, different right. people. These are literally just, what did we learn from the first step? Um, and it was funded in four minutes. <laughs> four minutes. Which is not the fastest. Yeah. There are, there are ones that have gotten it. They're fighting for that number of seconds that funds their crap. Speed um, yeah. And it was released, um, the commercial re- retail release just hit uh, March 21st, 2022 is when it went to the store. So you couldn't even have gotten a hardcover until last month. Oh, wow, yeah. So, um, which is why I was really interested in jumping in on it. I didn't get in on the Kickstarter. I remember seeing it. I remember hearing some good things about it, but I was like, eh, I'm on too many other Kickstarters. I'm not going to jump on this one. Um, the original editions, there were, uh, additional books, some Murata that went with it that included six adventures and seven cultural supplements and actually a card game, uh, that they threw in there as well for oh, good measure. Uh, that was the, uh, Hobbit Tales from the Green Dragon Inn card game. Hmm. Uh, so it was just a section thing. But all of those added some additional, uh, classes, or effectively classes, cultures, um, and adventuring regions, maps, things like that. Um, and, and kind of expanded the area. Funny enough, you can go back and grab those and actually incorporate those because there was only certain rules removed. Okay. So everything kind of still works. Yeah. Which is nice. That's that's a nice addition. Like being able to use some of the old D and D books, like the Ranger's Handbook, would be amazing. Ain't no way that's gonna work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, it's a completely different um, version. but for the second edition, you have the core rule book, the Quick Start Adventure Guide, and a Lore Master screen that compiles all the rules into. I think it's a three screen roll. Yeah, they it, usually it, are. It's yeah. either three or four. I you can't really see it that well on the Drive Through RPG, and I was trying to see if there was a better shot of it, mm-hmm. uh, but I couldn't. Um, but realistically, in all the rules and mechanics that we're talking about and that we'll be going over today, it fits. And it and, and it's not small print. 
Yeah, so, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Once once you learn like the core mechanics of the game, it's uh, a lot of stuff really just kind of tracks. Yeah. 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 Um, and it had nine awards in those years. Uh, for the first edition, so um, they're cleaned up in 2012. We've got a oh, Golden yeah. Geek, uh, Best Art and Presentation, uh, Gold Any uh, at uh, Best Free Product, mm-hmm. uh, another Gold Any Best Art Interior, Best Production Values, mm-hmm. Best of Show for Best Role Playing Game, Origins yeah. Award nominee for Best Role Playing Game. Wow, yeah, no, and it's... then they just made it better. So. We're still to see great awards to come out of this book that's sitting next to us, mm-hmm. which I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it for a second edition. I don't know if you can you can get that for second editions when it's just a slate rules change, but I I believe this is award winning again. I really do. Um, and we'll get into why at the end. My my, my thoughts on it at least. Um, and I will softly say there is a fifth edition. Of this, where you can run technically adventures in Middle Earth in Fifth Edition, that was published by Cubicle Seven back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Freely owns that. There is no current chart for them to re-update that one as well. And in all honesty, if I had my druthers, I would tell them, "Don't do it." Yeah, just yeah. don't. Yeah. So <sighs> there's there's your bit of history. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about what this world represents. And why it's kind of everything that we already do So, as far as fantasy is concerned. I'm going to be dead honest with you. Yep. I saw that you wrote the stuff down on the show sheet, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't read it. Okay. I didn't even read the 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 like storyteller section, the lore master section. You went right to mechanics. I, went, I learned the mechanics of the game, and I learned how to play it and stuff like that. And through the mechanics, I could just feel like... Like, my brain was just going like, oh, this is just like that part in the movies, you know, where they, like, it, it's, it expresses itself remarkably to the point where I don't, I still, as I said this before, coming into the show, uh, in a previous show, like, I don't mm-hmm. know the lore all that well of Lord of the Rings. I've seen the movies, I appreciate the movies, but that's it, that's all I've got going into this. Yeah. And I still don't know the lore. I didn't read any of the lore in the book, and I still feel super comfortable walking into this game. Yeah, pretty much blind. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the things that are that that they try to express at the beginning is that the it it is built for both those who have a deep love for Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and those who have an interest in fantasy and want to feel Lord of the Rings and know it. Yeah, yeah, and it is hobbits and dwarves and elves in the lone lands of Eridor. Like that right there is everything. These aren't. This is a time, a specific time in history, where you can talk about the lands and where things were and how they became and sell it as a simple sales pitch. But the truth of the matter is something that they put in very black and white in the book very early on, and that is they invite players to leave the age of information and fast travel and adopt the view of individuals whose horizons often didn't extend farther than a few miles from their birthplace. That is a powerful quote to put in a book to remind the players to forget about the lore, Mm -hmm. to focus on the culture and understanding of that player and uh, of that player character. And literally to be, for some of you who 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 are familiar with war, like Samwise Gamgee, a simple person who never crossed the boundaries of their own village or town, you know, or to be like. 
uh, Gimli, son of Glowin, who ignored the existence of Rohan until he visited. He just ignored that it didn't exist. Right? Or even Eowyn, who was a noble and, and, and never had encountered an elf or a hobbit before the War of the Ring. She, she lived in Rohan. She, she was a noble and was well studied and yet had never seen those, those races before. You know? But at the same times, everyone has got these stories, this folklore, that there are these distant realms where folks inhabit. And that that, that place is different than home. Mm-hmm. And that's the feeling. That is the truth and the feel of the system. That's it. Like, I'm not even going to get into the heaviness of Lord of the Rings. Because you don't need to. All you need to understand is that this is your character in this world, and you're brought together with other unique individuals who some of races and, and places you've never been before. Yeah. But it calls to you to go do something. To me, there were, and these, these are both serious cliches. Sure. But I think this game really, like, pulls them out of cliche and puts them directly into praxis in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that is, one, uh, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. 100%. And two, the real treasure is the friends you make along the way. No, that's that's solid. Legitimately, yeah. there are rules for like crafting your fellowship and like your your essentially your friendship and your bond to other people in the in the in the group yeah. and working together as a team to support one another. Like it really is a game that encourages that and builds that right into the core yeah. of its gameplay loop. Yeah, not even so much as like um a uh, a uh, dungeon world mm-hmm. has like bonds that kind of help you those are more role-playing props right. than anything else this right. is this actual is mechanics, mechanics <laughs> these of are mechanics like, you know rob is my fellowship focus i get bonuses to help him you yeah. know yeah and, and and if anything bad happens to rob i take shadow points because oh god rob no you yeah. know yeah. yeah yeah and that's the truth that that's literally how this game is designed and it's beautiful in mm-hmm. that sense it is it is a gorgeous wrapping of the things that we want D&D to be. Yeah. You know, and so let's talk a little bit about this love. We're, we're not, again, we're not going into the lore. We don't need to. Yeah. We're going to just talk about you what want, makes it different. You want so, lore, watch, watch the movies, read the book. Yeah. It's all there. So, number one, are there classes in this? Uh, not really. There are job titles. <laughs> I mean, effectively. <laughs> I think they're called callings? Yeah, we'll get to those. But realistically, you start with a culture. Yeah. Which is amazing. Like, imagine if D&D started out with, you're an orc from the highlands. That, mm-hmm. That's what you are. Yeah. Like, wait, what, what do you mean? That That's it. You're an orc from the highlands. Have a nice day. Yeah, <laughs> like, go. Yeah, <laughs> go. That, that, yeah. Should, that should tell you enough about your character. Go, yeah. you know? Oh, what kind of an orc from the highlands are you? Here are a bunch of attribute choices you can make. Mm-hmm. You get six options. So instead of it being a spread where everyone has the same spread, every one of these cultures, whether you're a barding, dwarves, uh, doors of Durnfolk, elves of Linden, hobbits of the Shire, men of Bree, or rangers of the north, you have your own six spread of attributes. Well, okay, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me clarify what, the, what, you, what you mean there. Right, I, right. I think you're seeing it in your head and you're saying it, but I don't think it's coming across. Is right. The, um, so, character creation is very, very quick. There are three attributes. That's it. Strength, heart, and wits. Mm-hmm. 
there are six arrays of the of of numbers. You can either roll a d6 and take the line that of of, of attributes that corresponds to that, or you can choose the one that you want. And each culture has their own set Red. of array. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're you're gonna find that like dwarves have a very high strength. Like yeah. it's gonna be between like five and seven. Right. You know, whereas your hobbits uh, have a very high heart. Theirs are going to be five and five to seven, but like their strengths are going to be between like two and four. Right. You know. And what's interesting is those attributes have some are are also target numbers. They, yes. they they create a derived number out of them. It's always twenty minus your minus your your attribute score. Right. So you always know right in front of very much like Savage Worlds, yeah. you always know what your target number is. You never need to wonder is the DM making this harder or or less hard or should I do it this? Yeah. You no, know, it's like is it a strength check? Then use your strength target number. Right. And there are things that can adjust it, but nine times out of ten, that's adjustments on your side, not the other side, the DM side. Typically, your adjustments are adding more dice yeah. to your dice pool. Yeah. Or, or adding or subtracting dice to the dice pool. Right. Um, it's not changing your target number. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it even easier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you have your derived stats that come off of that, which is your endurance, your hope, and your parry. Mm-hmm. Which aren't necessarily... They aren't. They're kind of stats in their own right, uh, it, it, but they're not attributes. They're they're, they're point pools. Correct. There. Correct. Um, so your endurance kind of um, acts a little bit like your. Uh, it's it's it doubles as encumbrance and hit points, kind of. And stamina, like it's all wrapped into one. Yeah, it's all kind of wrapped into one. It, it gets used for a lot of things, but basically, it is the measure of longevity of your character. Because your load um, comes into play with it, right? So, like I said, it doubles as encumbrance. So, um, you know, when you're when you're, your your key thing is comparing it to your load score, right. um, and your load will get modified by fatigue, which you'll pick up on the road. So, as you get more weary, as you have like your heavy armor and stuff at like that, and maybe you've been on the road for a week and you've picked up a few fatigue points, suddenly your whatever ten endurance is not cutting it anymore, and you yeah. either can't take some of that heavy equipment into your next encounter. Or you become weary, right? And that starts right. screwing your dice rolls. So, yeah. it's it for all of you who looked at hit points and said this doesn't make a damn bit of sense. Why are you as effective at one hit point as you are at five hundred hit points? This fixes that issue. Yeah, and we'll get into how this really starts to become a downward spiral, mm-hmm. where you can't just keep running. Um, yeah. And and some of that has to do with just the term weary, but we'll get to that status and what it really can mean. Uh, then you've got hope. Mm-hmm. Um, hope is – hope's got a real simple mechanic to it, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. You spend a point of hope, and you get to add plus one dice to whatever roll you're making. Yeah. Um, there are some other little things that modify that, but the other thing you have to check is make sure your hope doesn't drop um, to at or below your current shadow points. Mm-hmm. You'll gain shadow points when basically bad things happen. It's mm-hmm. essentially your character's hopelessness. Yeah. Um, the amount that they're letting the world get to them, they're turning to the shadow, and they're just realizing that the world really kind of sucks. And yeah, and there's like there's really only three things that can can work into your shadow, mm-hmm. and there are ways to get rid of shadow. Yeah. Um, but it it can very much drain on you. But if your shadow ever overtakes your hope, you become miserable. And, and that has an in-game That effect. has an in-game of status. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then parry is just your parry. It's your target number. All attack rolls targeting you. To are. be hit, yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty straightforward. It's your armor class. Um, you have skills, and, and skills are 
pretty standard off of strength, heart, and wits. Yeah, there's uh, uh, adjustments. Eighteen skills, um, uh, six under each attribute, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it actually reminded me a lot of like old White Wolf games mm-hmm. where you had like your physical skills, your mental skills, and your social skills. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of the same thing. Um, or they're organized under your strength, your heart, and your wits. Right. Um, and then it's. Simple to see on your character sheet. Obviously, this is a strength skill because it's under the strength column. Right. Um, and so you use your strength target number for it whenever you're rolling it. Yep. And that's it. That's and the whole thing. And you always are going to be rolling. We'll, in, we're, we talk about there's a distinction in dice, too. Uh, yep. A little bit of the dice mechanic. But you, you end up really rolling two dice. Uh, sometimes... Well, two types of dice. Two types of dice. Sometimes you're rolling extra dice. Yeah. Uh. So each one of your skills is going to have a rating 0 through 6. Mm-hmm. So whenever you're asked to make any sort of a skill check, and this works for weapon proficiencies in combat as well... Completely. ...are basically just specialized types of skills mm-hmm. for the weapons. Um, you pick up a number of six-sided dice equal to that skill, mm-hmm. and then you also pick up a d12, which is called the fate die. Mm-hmm. Or no, not fate. Feet. Feet. I feet. kept mixing that up. I, I did it several times myself. <laughs> it was called the feet die. Um, and the feet die is kind of like a uh, glorified D twelve. Maybe a little <laughs> compared to like the wild die in Savage Worlds, but kind of not really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess in dis- in thought it is, but in truth, it is a D twelve where there's ten numbers on it and two symbols. Yes. Uh so. And and you can play technically with a normal D6 and a D12. Yeah, you use the, le- the 11 and the 12 for it on a, on a regular D12. Yes. Or you and, can get the specialized dice that they sell. Right, which is cool. Um, but effectively, there's there's a Gandalf symbol and a Eye, Eye of Sauron. Sauron symbol. So it's like good and bad, effectively. Yes. Uh, and the D6 under the, on the 6 itself has also an Elven symbol on it for a, a, like a better... Effect, a, a, yes, a special like effect, a success sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so all that kind of comes into play. Um, you then, like, you were talking about the combat proficiencies, um, and they're they're literally skills. There's so, like, four of them. Yeah, and I, I love that so much. Yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves with games is when they break down every like. Well, you, you have a plus three in pistols, but you only have a plus one in submachine guns. Like. Okay, you point it at someone and you pull the trigger. How much different can those two things be? It can get very crunchy. It can get very crunchy. Um, Here you've got swords, axes, spears, and bows. That's it. Yep. Um, Distinctive features. I like that heading. I like that they they, they called it that. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's a great way of talking about things that are more role-playing related that are still mechanical. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's great. Um, Like, uh, what was it? You can be inspired. Right? Is that... Uh, yes. yes. And then that adds hope. Well, no, no. If you use hope right. while you're inspired, you add two dice instead of one. Yes. So you that's, basically that's you, get, is, you yeah. get bonuses out of using hope, but you still have to use the hope to do it. Right. Yeah. Um. So once you have a character, like we were talking about, you then literally in the game mechanics talk about what you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. What is your call to the adventure? And this is kind of where your, I, I say, a really, really soft kind of character class. Yes. And you it's, pick a role. Character class is in very much the same way. It reminds you a lot of cyber, uh, when we did Cyberpunk Red, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, this is technically the class that it says on your sheet. It basically just gives you a bonus. Like, mm-hmm. a special trick you can do. It doesn't make you any different. It doesn't pigeonhole you into a job. It just says that of the available skills, you also have this this cool little knack. Right, right. So 
to, to say that someone is either a captain, a champion, a messenger, a scholar, a treasure hunter, or a warden. Yep. And you'll get a favored skill. Um, favored skills, you skills, roll. You get three of them. You roll two feet dice and take the better of the two. Correct. Uh, so it's kind of like an add advantage. Yeah, it's basically um, advantage. And then you have, uh, you get an additional distinctive feature, which I think is great that you get, like, effectively another role playing element. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that is unique. And then your shadow path comes out of this as well. And the shadow path is, is interesting. It's, it's kind of a, um, a, uh, a role playing cue mm -hmm. for as the, sh as you, you accrue shadow points, in what way does your character kind of slump off to the shadow? Mm -hmm. Where, where do they fracture? Right. And, and I feel that that's kind of a calling to humanity. Yeah. Or, or those types of systems, mm -hmm. you know, where do you have that not heavy-handed, but a mechanical system that is helping the player remind them of where they're at. Yes, you know yes. that it's that it, this system is helping you go in that direction. Um, then they just give you previous previous experience, comma points, because <laughs> it's it, the idea is is that you didn't just step into this world fresh. Yeah, yeah. You know, so 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 for all those people who are like. Yeah, I made my character. I'm a level one fighter. What the heck am I doing here? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. This kind of helps remind you that you did other crap. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So you'll actually start with, um, uh, you'll start with item, uh, an item of superior worth. So basically yep. you, you get like, kind of, I don't know, free magic item necessarily, but it's like of superior worth. It's a nice sword or, or a good nice armor. shield or, or even just a tool of some sort that might mm -hmm. help you along the way. You know, it doesn't have to be a weapon or armor. Right. Um, you start your Valor and Wisdom at 1. Valor and Wisdom are kind of like where your experience levels come out of. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's cool because it, it affords you two different paths of advancement. Valor kind of being the more um, combative, more physical, more warrior style stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas Wisdom is the more scholarly, more knowledgeable, more wise pursuit. And so when you advance either of them, you get bonuses. Mm -hmm. Um and because you start with both of them at one, you get a bonus from each one. Mm -hmm. One gives you basically a ability, effectively, mm -hmm. uh, which is, um, you know, uh, confidence, uh, which may raise your, your hope. Confidence raises hope by two. Or mastery, which gives you an additional two skills to be favored in. Yeah. So you then have, uh, if your wisdom... Uh, you're, you're, you're basically saying like, okay, do I, uh, what kind of reward do I get for our, for my gear? This is where that extra favorite item can come from where like, I have a keen weapon. So it's, uh, I get a piercing blow on a nine or up, mm -hmm. right? Which is going to do some, which is going to do something more than just damage, you know, and, the, or close fitting armor, which gives me a plus two to the result of my protection roll. That's, and that's valuable. That's right. right. So, so this is where like having that mithril chain makes a little bit of a difference. Yeah. But again, one of the things that you, you were saying about it is that when you have an item of superior worth, it is yours. It is plot immune. I mean, you're not just going to lose it. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I really liked is it's like, look, you, you spent character points on this. This isn't just a trinket. This is part of your character. And right. so whatever plot contrivance you need to make that thing stick to you or immediately come back to you if it's ever lost or whatever. Right. Um, make it happen. Yeah. And besides that, you're not going to give it up. 
Yes. It is yours. You can't it give is, it to somebody else. It is else. your signature weapon. It's it's not like Gimli will never give his axe to one of the elves, mm-hmm. you know, and say, here, use this on the door. Like, that's not going to happen. Right, right. Right. It is, and often those weapons are buried with you. Like, mm-hmm. that is your personal item. Um, so that's the other thing around it, that of trying to get around like, oh, I got this, and now I'm just going to hand it off to Sarah's character because... You know, she needs to work on her other, you know, wits or whatever. Yeah. You know? No, yeah. no. That's not how that game works. Um, and we talked a little bit about load. And I think this is – they clearly define the finite level that they want you to consider load. And that is it is your war gear and your treasure. That's it. That's it. Like we, we know you have a bedroll. We know you have a, a mess kit. Like, Water skins. We, yeah, yeah. Everybody does. That doesn't count against your load. Right. And you have personal trinkets, like mm-hmm. things that you need, rope, uh, tinder, you know, we, these are understood that you have a few of these extra items on you, right? Yep. But your load is what determines your, effectively, your encumbrance and, and ties against your endurance. Yes. And that's where the cost comes in, because, yeah, if you keep loading yourself down with treasure, that is going to cost you. If you keep loading yourself down with war gear, that is going to cost you. Yep. It's, it, it's an investment, and it shows in the end mm-hmm. how long you can stay out there in the fray. You know? Um, the next portion of that is building the company. Yeah, and this is where a lot of those, like, uh, uh, fellowship mechanics come in. Mm-hmm. I, I really like this. Yeah. Um, it, it, uh, it does a lot of, like, subtle little like uh group building activities. So uh the first one is um <laughs> it's going to be uh your patron. Yeah. Um so they suggest you take a patron. Um patrons yeah. can be there there are multiple different like dramatis personae, powerful characters in in the setting and stuff of like that. Um, yeah. You don't necessarily have to know a lot about them. Mm-mm. Um they kind of give you a little bit about those characters and what their goal might be. Um, you may not even necessarily meet this person. They may even just work through intermediaries. Correct. But like, if you're doing a dungeon delving campaign where you're going to go, you know, go out and bring back riches, like maybe one of the dwarves is super into that. You yeah. Know? Th- so they're your patron. Cool. Yeah. Um, and because of that, you get plot hooks. It gives you a purpose. You'll get a bonus to your fellowship rating. Yep. Your fellowship rating is a thing, and we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. And you'll get special things you can do. Like your whole company gets a special ability they can kind of call upon. Yeah, they can use hope to do something or spend a fellowship point to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a safe haven, which I think is a great thing. It is where you are safe. It It is your home base, effectively. Yeah, you're basically your base of you know, operations. But now. it's, I mean, it, it isn't necessarily a base of operations that you own, but it is a place that you are you are comfortably able to return to without you question. Home, you do yeah. call home. And it is... The story's home, like, and I think that's a fantastic thing, and it means that it can shift, it can be other places, so you may finish this adventure somewhere else, like, we we have the initial one be, I don't know, Rivendell, right, mm-hmm. and that's where your home base steps out from, but then as you continue through the adventure, you decide that you're going to journey to Bree, mm-hmm. so now... Uh, the inn in Bree is your now, you're going to be your new fellowship for the next set of adventures. Yeah. I think that's great. Sure. You're always returning there for your fellowship phase, for mm-hmm. your comfort time will be in Brie. Uh, and then speaking of fellowship, 
um, you then have a fellowship rating, which we yes. mentioned uh, just a, a minute ago. Um, and your fellowship rating is a collective pool of points. Um, it starts mm-hmm. off at a base of one per character in the fellowship yep. or in the company. Um, but uh, men of Bree, mm-hmm. their special benefit is that they add one per per man of Bree to yeah. the in addition to uh, basically they count for two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then your patron may also lend to that. So mm-hmm. you may end up in a, in a pool of six characters. You may end up with a fellowship rating of like six or seven. Yeah. Depending on, you know, your, your group composition and your patron. Um, and your fellowship rating is very simple. Uh, you just use it during your downtime, uh, when you're, when you're resting for the, you know, for the evening or whatever. During uh, the adventuring phase. To, yeah. to regain hope. Yeah. That's it. You yeah. Just, just to regain hope. Um. There are a few other uh, I want to say there. I think there are cultural blessings. Cultural that, blessings that also. can use some fellowship points, um, but most of the time they end up using hope. Yeah, and some patron abilities take yeah. take fellowship. That, points that's the other one. Yeah, and that yeah. can happen during other phases. So you do end up using those fellowship points in different ways, but effectively it's designed to help the group as a whole. Yeah, and and it requires everybody's consent to spend the fellowship points. Yes. So. There's already a mechanic there where it's asking your group to communicate mm-hmm. about the needs of the group. Right. Right. If you've got somebody who's down, who's injured, and you need to keep moving, like, you might end up spending quite a bit to try and keep – to increase their hope so that you can get their endurance back. This is actually the plot of Darkest Dungeon 2. Yeah. Um <laughs> You then have a fellowship focus, which I think is a good thing to talk about because, like, yeah, you've got a patron who's giving you your stuff. You've mm-hmm. got a place that's your home base. You've got this pool of great points. What what the heck is our focus on this? Like, what are we doing? Well, no, no, your fellowship focus is someone else in the group. Right, which is who you're doing it with. Right, right. That's, so, the, that's the bonds that like we were talking at, about. Yeah, if you, if you look at the, like, the, the, the movies, like, yeah. um, uh, Frodo is Samwise's fellowship focus. Right. Okay, everything Samwise is doing is about helping Frodo. Well, I mean, if you follow the the diaries from way back in the day, everybody was focused on Mr. Frodo. But, um, you know, but, but it it might be a romantic interest. It might be a friendship. It might be an idolization Mm -hmm. or a a familial relationship. Uh, Mm -hmm. they may be your ward. You're, you're watching out for them, et cetera. But it's someone else in that, in the fellowship or in the, in the company that you care about more than anybody, uh, more than anybody else in the company. Right. Um, and it doesn't have to be some, you know, huge earth shaking thing, but it's just like, you know, yeah, these guys are a bunch of a bunch of mercenaries, and I don't really give a crap about them. But Rob knows his way around the sword. I kind of respect that guy. That's why that, I'm here. That's my fellowship focus. Boom. Right. Right. And the the best part about it is it helps figure out who you're focused on, mm-hmm. who you as a player should be looking to and making sure of, and why. It's that one line that you need to help remind you why you're there. And it's real simple. Um, anytime I use a support. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, I give them two dice instead of one, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm, I'm throwing an extra effort into them because yep. I, I like them, but more than anybody else. Uh, but if anything bad happens to them, I gain a shadow point. Mm-hmm. They get wounded in combat or, you know, any other number of things. Like, yeah. um, so it really bums me out when bad things happen to my fellowship focus. Yep. Yep. Experience. Experiencers. So this one, this one's a little, I don't know. 
controversial is probably way too weighty of a term, but this is one that kind of left me scratching my head just a little bit, is that there's actually two different types of experience points, but Mm -hmm. they essentially function the exact same. Kind of, except for adventuring points give a little bit of variance. So you have your skill points. You straight up get three skill points at the end of every game. Uh, Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. And then you also get uh, at the end of, I want to say, at the end of the Fellowship Yule... You also get points based upon your wits. Yes. You get additional skill points based upon your wits. Um, which is just a, it, effectively when you hit the holiday. Yeah. That it's, when it's, fellowship it's a is a year end sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. It, you get some extra stuff. And then, uh, your adventure points are three additional points. Now adventure points can translate directly to skill points. You can use them that way. There's no question about that. But they also have a whole mechanic system for creating errors. When you want to retire a character and come back as a different character. Exactly. Yeah. And you can pre-invest mm-hmm. at that point. And when you hit 10 points of investment, that air exists basically hmm. and now is available and, and there are things there. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I, I mean, I think it's kind of a cool mechanic that they've pre-thought about what your next character might be. Yeah, I think Dungeon World had kind of a similar mechanic where it was like at a certain point, like you 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 have to retire your character. They force you to, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so then you come back as a, another level one character that was in some way like apprenticed to your other character. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's cool that there's a there's a continuation of it like that. Yeah. So we've kind of been throwing this concept back and forth before we get into the mechanics. That really there's only. I will say there are two phases. There's the adventure phase and the fellowship phase. The adventure phase is. The player phase, just like from uh, Mouse Guard, where that's where your action is going to be occurring, your scenes. That's the GM phase in Mouse Guard. Yes, yes, sorry. Um, and it is where you are doing most of your challenges with the storyteller being the person creating the challenges for you and yes. working through those scenes, including journeying, which is its own thing that's part of that. Uh-huh. Uh, and the way they cut it down to it is basically there are three sections to that. Uh, there are... Um, there, where there's three filters to it, which is basically your, um, effectively your combat phase. Mm-hmm. You have a council phase, which is basically when you're meeting with people mm-hmm. uh, and having to to, to navigate a a, uh, a dramatic type of scene, almost. Yeah, almost like a social combat sort of sort of set of yeah. rules. I don't know if I would call it social combat necessarily, but it is definitely like the um, we we need help from a from some you know powerful entity let's let's talk to them yeah let's let's not immediately draw swords it doesn't mean it won't be a tense situation right uh and then journeying is its own thing where you're literally moving across hexes on the map it's a hex crawl (laughs) it is a hex crawl it went uh, absolutely old school and there's a there's a beautiful map in the back of the book that's uh, that's got basically erador broken down into hexes for you so you can always tell exactly where you are what your terrain looks like how many hexes are are, are from yep. point a to point b and there's a whole system for how to move across that so that you're not having to do the minutiae of the encounters but still have events transposed it makes it dramatic it makes everybody in the group involved and there's and, a cost yeah and there's and there's there's definitely like a the journey has been long and hard and fraught with dangers sort of well and, and feel and to it one of the things that i i think became very obvious to me when i was doing it, i was like oh, okay so the journey has this and then and then the fatigue and stuff and then i immediately saw it i saw the scene of them in the mountains yep and going, we can't do this. We have to turn back. We have to go through. And like, uh, I guess, I guess we do because like, we're yeah. all really weak. Yeah. And it's like, that's a very easy scene. Like, 
any D&D game will be like, yeah, we have survival, we'll just long rest, or I'll use this spell and we'll be comforted, and we can go for another three days, and I have good berries. Like, yeah, travel is nothing. It's easy. Mm-hmm. I don't even need airships. Whatever. It's barely mentioned in the player's handbook, if at all. And, right. Uh... And in this case, it is quintessentially part of the journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you have to figure this shit out. Um so that that's that's where that's at is that your encounters don't leave your hex. You leave that hex, it costs a journey. It is a journey. Mm-hmm. That is what is cool about that. I love that. Um but the fellowship phase is 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 the player phase. That is where you're rest recuperating, you're practicing your skills, you're doing stuff from nobles. Um maybe you're at a special event, maybe it's a special time of year or it's the year end the Yule, if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and there's a, there's some things that go along with that. But in essence, it's where you get to say what you're doing during your downtime. Uh, it's the scene in the movies where everybody meets back up in Rivendell, and Frodo and Bilbo get to talk to each other for the first time in a while. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, uh, other Liv-, Liv Tyler's character—I forgot her—I forgot her name—is uh, no. really happy to see Aragorn back, yeah, and Aragorn, you know, they, they yeah. have the uh, yeah they, they have the Council of Elrond the, yeah. there. You know, the swords get crafted and items get given and traded. People get healed. You know, wounds get – scars form from wounds and, and you're able to just, you know, become a little more whole. Hope can sometimes yeah. be re, re – can can rebirth there a little bit. Yeah, the, 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 fellow, the, the fellowship phase is essentially where you're in a safe haven and you get to do all the storytelling that would take place there when you're not getting attacked by orcs. Exactly. Um so let's talk a little bit about the mechanics. <laughs> when I say a little, there's going to be a lot. It's going to sound heavy. Um It's going to sound heavy, but it's not. Yeah. So this is this was my thing with, with reading through this is that uh there are few mechanics. We pretty much went over them earlier. Yeah. There are we very did. few mechanics. There is a lot of rules. Every system works a little bit differently than the last and they mm-hmm. have all very fleshed out rules for how the system works very simple mechanics for adjudicating them all yeah it's always just roll the appropriate skill versus your versus your attributes target number that's it that's it yeah but holy cow there are a lot of rules yeah yeah and it's I almost feel like it needed to go through this level of explanation to stop you thinking that this is D d but at the yeah. same time, to basically just take care of everything in a simple way. Yeah. Like, if it's not that important, roll against the TN. Mm-hmm. That's it. Simple as that. And it, the game does make it very clear, especially when it's talking about trivial things. Don't roll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't roll. Uh, so, okay. Once again, to kind of concisely go over the dice mechanics, um, every skill... Uh, including weapon proficiencies, is rated 0 to 6. Mm-hmm. You're going to take that many six-sided dice mm-hmm. and a D12. Mm-hmm. You're going to roll them all, and you're going to add all of the numbers together. Yep. Okay. Um, any sixes that come up on your D6, or if you're using the specialized dice, it's going to have that elven rune for success on there. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kind of like raises in other games. Yeah. Um, they're, they're little extra bonuses you get on top of there. There's certain things that will trigger off of them in mm-hmm. like cultural blessings and whatnot. Yep. Um, you can spend them for extra advantages. There's a generic list of advantages you can, you can kind of get out of things of doing things either like quickly or extra quiet mm-hmm. or, you know, helping another person while you're at it to erase one of their failures, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, 
And then along with that, you've got your fate die, or your, I did it again. Feet. Feet die, which mm-hmm. is that D12. Mm-hmm. Um, one through ten, mm-hmm. you add that in just like normal. Yep. But there's also eleven and twelve are on the special die, the Eye of Sauron, and Gandalf's Rune, and I forgot what the name for Gandalf's Rune is. Yeah, I mean, just call it Gandalf's Rune. Gandalf's Rune. Um, and basically, uh, if you roll the Gandalf Rune, it's an automatic success. Doesn't matter what came out on the dice. Mm-hmm. You succeed. Yep. Um, if it is the Eye of Sauron, that feat die counts as zero. Correct. You add nothing. You add nothing. Now, there are sometimes other effects where mm-hmm. if the, you know, the Eye of Sauron comes up or the Gandalf rune comes up, blah, 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 but it will specify that in the, in the, the, the rule. Yep. Um, match or beat your target number. Yeah. And that's it. And your target number, like I said, is 20 minus your attribute. Right. And the other thing that could come into this is where, um, you have that those uh the the elven runes the six mm-hmm. when you roll those depending on how many of those you get you can get these special uh, things that can come out of it mm-hmm. so if i have one great it was a nice event but if i have two i can actually spend that on this list of things and i can be like and i learned something new mm-hmm. you know uh, some some piece of information that was important for the plot or i get a um, a, a, I might be able to do it faster, or I might be able to do it quietly, or I might be able to remove a success or add, like you were saying, from mm-hmm. somebody else if it's a group of things. The things that can work against those roles, on the other hand, are things like your status effects that mm-hmm. are on you, um, and or... Uh, favored or ill-favored roles, and those—that's basically where you take it, it's advantage or disadvantage. It's advantage up. or disadvantage for the for the feed die. But realistically, if I am weary, and really getting to weary is not as hard as you think it is. No, it isn't. If I'm loaded down with gear, right? I've got my war gear. Maybe I just got a a, a, a couple of uh, like some treasure. Fatigued from the road, right? And, I'm and a, then you get in a fight, right? So now I'm in a fight. I am below my, my endurance is now just below my load mm-hmm. where I'm at on that. I am weary. Weary basically says one, two, or three on those six sided dice. Any of those six sided dice counts as zero is nothing. Yep. I do not get to add to those. You have to roll a four, five, or six to do anything. anything. Now you can still have an instant success. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that hasn't gone away. The 12 still works, but it does make it infinitely harder <laughs> to try and get your 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 target number. Yep. Um and and things happen when you can't do that. Um Weary has a few other effects um that lean into it. Uh but I think that's the one that always sticks in my mind is like you're weary. That's yeah. bad. That's bad. Yeah. And you might start thinking about dropping stuff to be able to get out of situations. There are whole ass predators in this world <laughs> like but that are pursuit predators that just wait to pick off the weary ones. Yeah. Yeah, and it the game basically forces you to return because of that, because as you build up your fellowship, as your fellowship gets higher because of events and things that you do during your adventure, mm-hmm. darkness watches, Yeah, and at a certain point, it comes for you, mm-hmm. and then it gets real bad, <laughs> and that's where you might get attacked by things, or greed starts slipping in those dark paths start triggering Mm -hmm. and it's harder to say no to things speaking of the shadow coming for you yeah let's talk about combat 
Yes. Combat, I was really impressed with in this game. It is different. Uh, it is all about positioning. Mm-hmm. Literally. No, uh, this system does not use grids nope. or concrete distances other than ranged or melee. This is um, uh, Darkest Dungeon in that sense, right? Uh, your position in the yeah. line makes a huge difference. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, there's basically three, four positions in, in the group. Yeah, it's basically yeah. like Darkest Dungeon. Or, um, your, or, your, or what you used to love, Final Fantasy Tactics. Your uh, position. No, believe it or not, Tactics actually plays a lot like 5th edition D&D. Oh, the, I guess I suppose so. I just um, keep seeing the distance and the lines and I'll, where you can be. No, I'll tell you what it really reminded me of, actually, was Fate. Oh, okay. Fate I can has see that. zones. Mm, instead of okay. concrete distances and stuff like that. It's just like, are you closer to this dude or are you closer to this dude? Yep. Um, so anyway, so okay, we... So, so basically you've got... Um, uh, uh, Combat is, is is very abstract in how it plays out, but because of that, it plays out very heroically, exceptionally. Um, so you've got what's called an opening volley, mm-hmm. where basically you see each other across the way, and people start launching arrows and throwing axes or whatever at each other, right? Whatever you got on hand, right? Um, there's no initiative. Heroes yep. always go first. Yep. <laughs> I love that. Heroes win initiative. Even in ambushes, it's a little different for ambushes. Basically, you're at a disadvantage. You basically just need to make make sure you're like who who sees the ambush coming, and if you do, you still go first. Yeah, but I mean, there's I think there's also some disadvantage rules in there, Mm -hmm. but that's it. Like literally, that's it. Yeah, ambushes are about the only thing to circumvent this. So you have an opening volley, and that's basically as you're charging at each other, there will be ranged attacks that happen. Right. Heroes go first, then adversaries, Mm -hmm. Um, and then you move into close quarters. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so once you're in close quarter combat, you have four stances mm-hmm. you can take. Um, and see, for me, I, I don't know, they, they didn't suggest this in the book, but like what I would do is just lay out a piece of paper mm-hmm. and then you've got three stances in the front and then one in the back because mm-hmm. it's literally rear, the rearward stance yeah. where you're staying back and launching arrows like legless, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would just lay out a piece of paper with those stances labeled on it mm-hmm. and just have people just drop a miniature on there for, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and they they do kind of suggest you like use, use minis, but don't use like a grid. Like, yeah, just use them to indicate where who's fighting who. Right. So you can keep track of that. Yep. Yep. Plus minis are fun. Minis are fun. Um. So your forward stance um is basically you're charging headlong into battle. Right. Um. Uh, open stance, which is kind of your mid ground, and your defensive stance, which is basically you're 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 focusing more on defending than attacking. Um. Effectively, these are the same. From the standpoint of if I just want to hit somebody, mm-hmm. I can be in any of these stances. Correct. I'm still going to be in close combat. Um, what they do, however, though, is they allow for a special action mm-hmm. to be taken when in that stance. If you're in forward, you can use the intimidate foe action, mm-hmm. um, which drops a bunch of debuffs on them for, you know, takes dice out of their pools. Right. Um, if you're in the open stance, you can rally comrades, which gives a bunch of dice to your allies to, um, uh, attack their foes. Right. And then if you're in the defensive stance, you've got protect companion, mm-hmm. which I forget the exact mechanic, but I think it adds to their parry. Uh, adds to protection. Adds to their protection. Their protection um, role, yeah. And then uh, your rearward stance is the only one you can use ranged weapons from. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got the special action of prepare shot, which is basically aim. You don't fire this turn to add a bunch of dice to your next turn. Right. Um. And then, like I said, uh, it's basically like heroes go first. Uh, adversaries will pair off one-to-one mm-hmm. um, until everyone has an opponent. They can leave some back in their own rearward stance. They do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they just start doubling up on heroes at that point yep. if there's yep. more adversaries than heroes. Yep. And then you just uh, you make rolls. 
Yep. So if I'm using a sword, I'm just going to roll my sword skill just like any other skill, mm-hmm. and I'm going to compare that to my strength tar- target number, and I'm going to see if I hit. And if you hit, you either do the straight uh, endurance effectively damage, mm-hmm. or if you're uh, if you have a special bl- if it's a special weapon mm-hmm. and it's got like the ability where you can do a uh, a piercing hit or a heavy blow or something like that, that effect it goes as well. Yes. So. Um, so just like any other any other roll, we're going to be rolling the feet die along with it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if that feet die comes up as a 10 uh, or the Eye of Sauron, it becomes a piercing blow, which is essentially your critical hit. And this is where... Um, uh, this is where your... Um, wounds are basically going to come in. Okay, so you're doing endurance damage to people, and that's going to whittle them down, and that's definitely bad. Like, you don't ever want your endurance to hit zero, but, like, a piercing blow is going to cause them to become wounded. And that's just a status effect. Um, and we'll we'll talk about that one in a little bit when we're getting there. Yeah, um, and a, a question came up in, in comment when I was just writing back to Nox asked, does this mean every battle kind of plays out the same? And the answer is, yeah. Uh, y- y- yes and does. no. Like, all the mechanics are more or less the same, but, like, your opponents are going to have different Correct. abilities. Like, you were looking at, like, the bestiary, where you were looking at, like, wolves versus bandits versus, versus you undead. Know, versus undead and stuff like that. Um, And they they all act in very different ways that change... Like, yeah, if you're just fighting dudes versus dudes, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. You, you you just kind of line up in close combat stances and you swing at each other, sure. Yeah. Whereas, like, the wolves literally can leap to rearward. Yeah, like, your archer is not safe from wolves. Correct. Um, undead can ca- cause dread, which basically makes everyone unable to spend hope. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the mechanical movement of combat is the same. No different than D&D's mechanical combat is effectively the same yeah. every single set. I mean, you could say that it changes when you get into layers and you have layer mechanics that add on to that or mm-hmm. you're fighting a boss and a boss has uh, legendary moves. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those don't come in. And for that reason alone, and I'm flat out going to say this, it makes this easier and yeah. f- and faster yeah. because everybody knows what's going on at all yeah, times. Exactly. Um, and, and the thing, too, you have to keep in mind uh, is that uh, this also allows less combative characters to still be effective uh, because things like your Intimidate and your um, uh, Rally Comrades are going to be things like, – they're going to be social checks, essentially. You know, you're not going to rally your comrade with your sword skill. You're going to rally your comrade with like I, I, I forgot what the name of the skill is, but yeah. essentially a persuade skill, you know, or an, I think it's awe. Yeah. Awe, I think, is the name of the skill. Um, and so someone with a high awe is going to, you know, they're not going to want to go in swinging. They're going to want to rally their comrades and add dice to the ones who are going in swinging. Right. You know, but that still puts them in tactically in uh, the open stance, which puts them in melee combat. So, And, and one of the things that I'm going to point out is that uh, Nox added, added in was uh, I was thinking about this in a tactical manner. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. So one of the other things that I'm going to add to this is remember that your endurance is being reduced. Mm-hmm. So if I've, you know, unlike D&D, if we put our quote-unquote tank in the front, mm-hmm. so I'm always putting my dwarf in his full plate mail in the front, mm-hmm. his endurance is going down every single session. He doesn't get to get that back, or every single uh, encounter. 
Yeah. He doesn't get that back. He is draining just as much as we are on the journey. So, you know, nobody's he, popping health potions. There's no cleric. Correct. So at some point, he is going to be weak and not able to take that forward stance. And also keep in mind that this fight, this exact same fight plays out far differently on day 10 of a journey than day two of a journey. Exactly. Um, the scene, uh, I'm trying to think of the scene in the movie, uh, in, in one of the movies where the hobbits jump with their knives on something. Uh-huh. Oh no, uh, it was a Boromir scene. Mm. Where they were trying to save and help Boromir. Yeah. And before they, and they literally jumped from where they were in rearward, flinging stones into the fray because they had to. You mean they moved from a rearward stance into a defensive stance and used the defend companion action? You could say that they did that. Yeah. Isn't that funny? So, I, I, you can see that there are always going to be moments when you need to shift tactically. And that happens. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a, a point to move through things. And it's not even because of who you are class-wise or what skills you have. It literally depends on how are things going. Yeah. <laughs> how's, how's your buddy? How yeah. are you? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the, the backup character who's a farmer, has to go save his friend because he's going to get some bad points if he yeah. doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, basically combat combat continues just like that. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, how endurance is going to drop, um, and that's going to cause you to become weary if your uh, load ever becomes higher than your endurance. Mm-hmm. That can happen because your load increased, but it can also happen more usually because your endurance dropped. Yeah. Um, and fatigue, you can, well, you can change that in one of two, one or two ways. Right. You can, uh, you can shed equipment. Yeah. Like if I, if I just need one point of, uh, one point of endurance to not become, uh, uh, weary anymore, I can just take my helmet off. Yeah. That's a point of load. Right. I should, I drop my helmet. Yeah. Now I'm missing the protection from it now. But I'm not weary anymore. But that's a choice I made. Right. You know? Right. It's a tactical choice I made. Right. There, there, somebody had, uh, stated that, uh, it made the question of, in the opening volley, can I throw my shield at them to reduce my endurance? And they were like, that's valid. That is, that's heckin' valid, ooh woo. That's super heckin' valid, ooh woo. Yes. Uh, you'll get it back, don't worry. <laughs> Um, alright, so then you've got wounds. Uh, and wounds, like, so, so endurance loss sucks, um, but, uh, also, like, piercing, Wounds are piercing hits. Oh, well, I want to step one back. Oh, yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah, step yeah, back yeah. To, yeah. to endurance. Fatigue comes from the road, adds to your load. It's like a, it's a like temporary phantom load points. It's phantom yeah. load points. So basically, every time, regardless, maybe you're not adventuring for gold. You're just going to get to a place. And every step along that way, your load is slowly getting heavier. Uh-huh. So... Your endurance may not be dropping. You may be doing really well at stabilizing that, but, but eventually, you're still creeping up on it. Yeah, <laughs> a long journey is still a long journey. Yes. So I'm sorry. Continue with wounds. I think uh, that's good. So, anyways, you get a piercing blow, or um, uh, or your endurance, I believe, hits zero. Uh, yes. When you uh, hit zero, you are unconscious. Right. Um. And so, wounded is a status effect. Correct. There is. 
this is kind of like a, as a, a, hit, hit points better than hit points. You yes. Know? You do have that degradation in um, uh, in effectiveness as your endurance goes down. And then when you hit zero or you take that piercing blow, that's when you get that real heavy effect from it. Right. Um, so you're going to uh, roll the fate die. Mm-hmm. Um, or, did it again. Did feet it. die. Feet. 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 Uh, when you get wounded. Yes. Um, if it is a, the Gandalf rune, you're fine. It's superficial. I mean, you're still wounded, but like, you'll have it, you'll, you'll walk it off in an hour. Yeah. You know, it's, it, you get the wind knocked out of you. It sucks, mm-hmm. but you'll heal. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is a one to ten, that is how many days it will take you to recover from that wound. Yeah. How bad it is. Uh, and then if it is the Eye of Sauron, it's, it's essentially creep. a crit. Yeah. And you are dying. And you are at zero endurance. Zero endurance immediately, and you need medical attention within one hour or you die. Right. Period. It's, it's, it's straightforward. Yep. So, yeah. And there's a lot of things that can do piercing blows easily. Mm-hmm. Like, some creatures, basically, it's on a nine up. They do a piercing blow. Yeah. That's not hard. That it... Remember, you're rolling a d12. Yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, if, if you, if you take another wound while you're wounded, that's essentially the same as I saw on you immediately go to, 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 uh, an, to a, a dying state. So you basically have two wounds you can take. Right. That's it. Yep. And this, then, and the second wound is the one that kills you. Correct. So. Correct. Now, if you're just incapacitated, uh, and you, you will recover at the end of, I think, I think it's one day you will return back with one endurance. Mm-hmm. You don't rec- like if you do a short rest, uh, it doesn't count. But a long rest will give you one endurance, and you are oh no, short rest will give you nothing on a wound. A long rest will give you back to one endurance. Yes, and and you're 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 not on your feet really because again you're weary mm-hmm. instantaneously because there ain't nothing that's going to give you a a load of zero. Yeah, you know. Um, especially, especially when you figure in fatigue. Correct. Yep. So, yeah, it it is it is not great, but I mean, but, but that's, you can, yeah, that's you, how it feels. Like you can limp. And so I love doing the comparison. Like imagine if when you hit half of your hit points, or half of your strength, like your your strength score times, I don't know, times one or times two. Once you reach that or below in hit points, you are now weary. Half you know, half of your dice don't count. <laughs> like, right. Oh, your D. So zero through ten on a D twenty does not count. Yep. Like, uh oh. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I don't care what special abilities you have; it just doesn't work. You start reassessing your priorities real quick at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um. So, all right. We we talked a little bit. We we already talked about equipment. I'm going to skip that. Actually, I think. Um, yeah, valor is the only thing that gets you additional stuff. Um. And one of the things that was unique about valor, uh, as taking more valor, is that. It also has kind of a social impact. Yeah, you you said like uh, people start taking notice, especially the shadow, as yeah. you become more valorous. Yeah. yeah, and and one of the big things about that is is that not only do they take notice, but other people do. So like some people will avoid you because mm-hmm. you're bringing war. Like mm-hmm. that's what you look like. Yeah, you're gonna bring it to them. Other people will be like, you need to defend us. Come save us. Mm-hmm. You're the only one who can. Yep. So, you know, the, the greedy people will look to you. So it's, it's interesting to see the, the kind of social dynamics that come off of choosing to be valorious or being witful. Yeah. You know, and what, what With, that wise. Per- wise yes. yes. So. 
Journeying. Uh, journeying. Right, so journeying. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit. It's an old school hex crawl. Yeah. Um, but it's really good. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's and it's absolutely a thing. Like yeah. this is a necessary part of the journey. Yeah. Um, and this and honestly, it was it was this mechanic that that really had me saying like this does D and D better than D and D does D and D because, um, in a lot of ways, like yeah, there's a lot of stuff in like the dun- the, the the dungeon master guide, I guess. Yeah. For overland travel and stuff like that, but I always felt like the dungeon master guide was like suggestions. <laughs> And not yeah. really like these are core mechanics. I that mean, you, that you play with. do you really need a second? You, you don't need a second book to play this game. You don't need a second book to play this game. Yeah, exactly. Um, um but I, I like it. I think you could extract it. I think you could pull that out of this game and really be able to use it in other in certain other systems. It would take it, a little work because of because some some of the mechanics are inextricably tied to how this game works. I get um, that, but it's a neat concept. But it is a neat concept. Yeah. 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 Um. But basically, uh, you, like I said, you, you've got in the book, a convenient hex map of mm-hmm. Erdor. Yeah. Um, so you're able to basically find where they are, where they're going, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there are roles that you're going to have everybody make, take yep. in the, uh, uh, in the journeying group. You're going to have a guide, a scout, a lookout. Because you took that at the beginning. No, 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 sorry, no, sorry. That's the roles during the journey. You're right. I'm yes. sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. these are your journey roles. Journey um, roles. you can yeah. only have one guide, right? But you can have multiples of the others. But right. everybody, you have to have at least one of everything, right? Um, and then, uh, basically, roles are made by different members using different skills to see how long the next leg of the journey takes, and if any events happen along the way. So, it might be say five hexes to the next to the next thing. Okay, mm-hmm. um, we could go through, uh, you know, take a shortcut and maybe we'll cut four hexes off of it. But one of those is like dangerous. Yeah, you know, a dangerous area. Um, so we're gonna have like maybe our scout is going to make some sort of a check. Um, and it, it gives the actual specific yeah, skill. Yeah, there's mechanics. I right. don't have it sitting in front of me, but you like you, the role dictates what skill they're using. So you can choose to put your best, you know. Uh, spy basically in your scout. You can put your best set of eyes in your lookout. Right. You know, etc. Um, and then they make a they make a skill roll. Yep. And depending on how that comes out, um, there is rules for um, any modifiers to the length of time that that's mm-hmm. going to take, and then sp- things that happen along the way. Mm-hmm. And half of them are good, and half of them are bad. Yep. Depending on how the feet die comes up. Yep. So if Vita comes up really high, or like the Gandalf rune, it's like Gandalf rune is like it's open sailing. You actually make better time than you than you thought. Yep. Or something wondrous happens. There's some wondrous events that can occur. Um, if you roll really high, maybe you'll meet friends or traders yeah. or something like that. Erwin meeting them at the river and stopping the wraiths. A shortcut, yeah. you know, things like that happen. Um, but the lower you roll on that feet die, the like you start getting like in fights or mm-hmm. uh. Uh, bad things or bad weather or, you know... Um, causes more fatigue. Causes yeah. more fatigue because there were obstacles you didn't mm-hmm. account for, things like that. Yeah. Um, and it, that result also tells you how much fatigue you take for that step. Mm-hmm. Okay? And if we didn't make really good time and skip a couple hexes during that day, now it's the next day. Now there's a new roll. Mm-hmm. And if you keep rolling low... That 10-day journey turns into a two-week journey, and that fatigue starts stacking up, and it can get really arduous. Mm-hmm. You can also not make it back from journeys. Yeah. Like, uh, what was it? It wasn't a, T- it wasn't a TPK, but, like, people said that they, uh, 
they all their players were down to one or two endurance and were fatigued by the time they made it back. They they dragged themselves I back. I believe it. I believe it. Like they went out, didn't make it to the first place they needed to go because they decided to go too far. Yeah. And had to fatigue their way back and basically do their fellowship of like, yeah, we we stink at this job. Uh-huh. <laughs> like maybe yeah, we... but, but that's an adventure. Yep. You, you know, had you had an adventure. It was great. Mm-hmm. And it all happened during the journey, you know, yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, um, then so you're going to you're gonna you get make, back. Yeah. You, you're going to make it back. You're going to go out. You're going to have your adventure. You're going to have your journeys, mm-hmm. your, 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 maybe your fights, your, mm-hmm. your whatever. You come back to your safe haven, mm-hmm. whatever safe haven, then maybe the one you left from, maybe in de- a different one you journeyed to. Yeah. And we go into the fellowship turn. Yep. Uh, for any of you who play mouse guard or listen to our mouse guard system spotlight, this is the player turn. Yep. Okay. Um, the GM is at this point is not going to throw anything else at you. Yep. He's not going to say, like, oh, suddenly orcs attack or anything like that. No. Nope. You are safe. You are in control of the story at this point. Mm-hmm. This is the place where you can role play amongst yourselves. You can role play with NPCs. Mm-hmm. Try to advance your own plot. Um, and Work is, on your air. Yeah, yep. work on your air. This is also where you're going to spend skill points and adventure points. Yep. Um, increase uh, in, in, So basically, it's unlike Dungeons & Dragons where, like, your level up can happen at any time when you're out on the road. Your level ups only ever happen during your fellowship. Time. Yeah, when you get back. Yeah, when you have time to rest and reflect and really truly grow from your experience, when you don't have the stress of the of the road pressing down upon you. Right. Um, and it's pretty simple. There's not really a lot of mechanics for it. It's basically just you're at home. You can role play. There's a handful of things they suggest you do, um, and you can spend your points. Yep. All right. We Close. did a lot. That's that's a lot. But That's it was good. We're not as overtime as I thought we were going to be, but we are very overtime. Well, it's one book of like 200 and some pages. Yeah, and we are glossing the hell over the system. <laughs> you know, but I don't think we are. I think we did a good job of explaining it. Yeah, I think okay. if we tried to do the same level on a couple other systems, we felt like we were glossing them. Yeah, yeah, huge, yeah. Huge sections of rules we never got into about ship movement mm-hmm. in some things. And, like, when we talk about D&D, there are whole sections of rules that we we, we just don't have time yeah. to discuss. Yeah, true. But this, I mean, the only thing that we really didn't talk about was magic. And the easy thing to say is, when you use magic, it eats into darkness. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. That that's that's the way it works, for lack of a better term. No, magic is not a pow- is a exceptionally powerful and dangerous thing. Just remember that. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. Knox in the box says you're giving them they're giving them a taste, and people can now go find the main course. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah the, the, this is the this uh, is the, the lunch. We gave you the lunch portion. <laughs> this is the free samples you get at the grocery store. I don't think this is the free samples. I think we gave a lunch portion. Honestly, on this that's one, fair. that's fair. Uh, some of the games we've definitely done lunchable versions. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, I'm gonna ask you, what do you think the One Ring does well? D does D and D better than D and D does D and D. I agree. Um, you've got it, it. Truly simulates the life of an adventurer. You leave the safe haven. You go out on a mission sponsored by a powerful patron with your companions. You face struggles on the road mm-hmm. while you try to keep mm-hmm. your endurance and high and hope in your hearts. You face awful life-threatening perils that will test your teamwork and your steel. And when you return home, you rest and you reflect on the journey taught to you. 100%. It is the full narrative hero's journey. Yep. I agree. I agree. And honestly, if, if like I said, it just, it's just better than 
any other simulation of this particular fantasy loop that I've ever seen. I, I agree. I think it's, I think they did an incredible job on refining it. I haven't physically played it. I've seen a play of it. Right, right. But I am happy to look at it and go, this is well done. Yes. Now, I will agree that it's mechanics light only by saying in comparison to other things of the fantasy genre that include magic, combat, travel, th- this is light. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yep. But does it well and makes the character sheets easy to read. Mm-hmm. Like, if you understand the mechanics and you look at the character sheet, you'd almost think, like, doesn't this need to have some more stuff on it? And the answer is no. No, It doesn't. Because really. it's all based off of the little bit that they give you right there. Right. Yeah. This is to Lord of the Rings and fantasy, in my mind, at a tactical level, just like 7C. I feel the heroicism and the tragedy that that can come from this. And I feel it stronger than 7C. 7C is exceptionally heroic. There's very little tragedy in 7C. Mm -hmm. This feels like it has all of that. It feels... Like, darkness is at the edge of everything, and you are slogging to get to it. It feels like darkness is at the edge of everything, but you are powerful enough to face it. With your friends. With your friends you at need your, your side friends. and hope in your heart. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it brings that Lord of the Fa- Lord of the Rings feeling. I think yeah. I think this does honor to J.R.R. I, I really think it, think it does. I, I think, think it does. does. Even without talking about the setting, <laughs> it does honor mm-hmm. to it. Um but it's not intrusive. You don't have to know. Again, we we could cover up the fact that this is the One Ring, and it's still an amazing fantasy. Yeah, you could play. Hey, but, we're we're playing generic low uh, low magic fantasy, and be like, sure. cool, I'm in. Yeah, this sounds great. In fact, you don't even have to have magic yeah. in this. Like, you you could play with characters that had no magic. You get a bunch of you know Frodo's running around, if you will. Yeah. So, and I think that's fantastic. Um, you commented on the book. I, book I'd like is beautiful. Yeah book is absolutely beautiful well well put together um the, there's beautiful artwork beautiful maps like i said i think it won awards for 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 the artwork is what we read earlier it deserves it um and we're looking at uh 235 pages plus the index yeah character sheet at the yeah. end yeah um comes with, also there's a there's a reserve ribbon for a uh, for a bookmark which in is it. fantastic always should be included in everything it's got a nice cover even the the light silhouetting on the cover the yeah. back of it. it, like they did a nice job on the way they printed these books. I, any print person would look at this and say, "Nicely done." Yes, nicely yes. done. Um, it's it's just and it's spaced well. You can read it well. Like from a dyslexic point of view, mm-hmm. I can read it well both in the PDF and in the book, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I see very little variation between the two. Yeah, um, yeah they did a great job on that. All right, so where does it fall short for you? I I I wouldn't say that it's at the same level of D and D, of bouncing around looking for rules, but that's still very present. Yeah, where yeah, there's definitely a lot of cross referencing you and I were doing when we were trying to put this together. Yeah, where it was nice to have the PDF to be able to do the search, mm-hmm. to be able to look through, like, ooh, I remember this. Where was this? And a lot of times it was like, oh, it was back at the beginning. Like mm-hmm. they painted this right at the beginning, and I'd forgotten. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Um. So I think that was good. That that that's there, but it still, it still feels like you're bouncing around in some ways. Like they'll they'll reference something once and then assume that you have that knowledge as you roll forward. Yeah, and then they'll just make casual reference to it later, and you're like, I heard that word before. But 
I, I, I will say. It's got a good index to it, at least. So it's you got can a least good look, index, yeah. but also they're very, very good about using power words. Oh, Weary. Buzzwords. Fatigue. So many buzzwords. Hope. Like, they slam you with these words to make sure you understand that these are the components of the game. But I, I t- at the same time though, I actually put that down as um as a detractor for me. Okay. Um, if only because uh, at least, and maybe this is maybe this is just me. Okay. But I get lost in similar sounding buzzwords. Yeah. Hope, virtue, wisdom, valor. <laughs> those all sound great, but kind of like in the back of my head, I'm going like those all sound the same. Yeah. Like uh, w- valor and virtue. Like, right. Uh, yeah. 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 So yeah. It, it it gets it got a little bit blurred for me as I was trying to learn this. I'm sure in the course of gameplay you'll pick it up. Yeah. And just trying to learn it over the course of the weekend was. Um, yeah, I mean, we know, did power this in 72 hours, effectively. It was a little, it was a little overwhelming for me. So yeah. it, it can get a little word salad with with all the different, uh, yeah. you know, power words they're using. But and, but it's cool though, like you said, it, it does lend to itself to the to the feel. Yeah, I mean, it's it's iterative in that sense that you 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 are also always adding on to the rule set. And you were talking about this. I think that sometimes feels a little complex. Mm-hmm. Um, the experience points being that they added adventure points there's two different types of experience points one can be used for everything one can just be used for very specific stuff yeah yeah it, it i i don't know if it was necessary but, eh, but it's I a mean, minor gripe i think it's i think it's a minor gripe only because adventure points basically convert and they're only good for one thing so it was it was kind of saying hey we know you guys wanted this thing where you could add extra people but we don't want you to just be able to dump 10 points instantaneously into your uh, into your air. So it it's doled out differently. Yeah, yeah. And and you get definitely more skill points. Without a doubt, you get more skill points. So that your your character uh advances. Mm-hmm. But you still have this option set to the side. Yes. That's there and available for you. And it's also handled differently for uh healing. Because adventure points are can be used to do other things, mm-hmm. and I think that's the other part that they wanted was they didn't want you just immediately removing your in, your 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 scars and, and and converting everything to just minor wounds, you know, right? Kind of right. So uh, there's one thing I, I didn't put here on the list. I think I put it earlier up uh, during the journey section, but um, the the only problem I've got with the journey rules, mm-hmm. um, it's cool that they're old school hex crawls, but like step one is the storyteller will draw the map for you on this special journey sheet, and it's like. Man, I'm an artist by trade, and I don't even like that. Yeah, that's, it, it was painful <laughs> for me to read because I was like, uh, he, he, he. I, I watch you, you know, I, I had to like give you a pep talk about using uh, dungeon, dungeon draft. Yeah, but I would say like when you first were like, oh, incarnate's easy, just and I'm like, yeah, I could never do that. Like my brain just doesn't work in the same art artistic for- format. Right. So it was a struggle for me. Um, so yeah, I, I could see that being a struggle for some storytellers where they might grab pre-generated maps for the journeys. And, and, that'd and be that's fine. fine. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. If so. you can't, if you can't, you know, make your own store bots, just, fine. just fine. And there's plenty out there. I assure yeah. you there are plenty. Yeah, um, so we got a couple discord questions before we roll. Yeah. Uh, so number one, uh, veteran asked, when running games based on media, what do you feel is more important? Staying true to the source material or making sure the system plays smoothly? Absolutely making sure the system plays smoothly. Yeah. 100%. Um, source material is 100% negotiable, um, especially if you're playing in any 
any established world, mm-hmm. um, I think the very first thing you should do is uh, put out the caveat as the storyteller that this is my version of this world. Mm-hmm. I don't care what lore you thought you had coming in here. If I contradict it, mine's canon. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Especially ones where it is grossly huge. Like one of my biggest pet peeves is reading GMs who are running Marvel Universe mm-hmm. stuff and people shitting on them. Yeah. For, for just... For, for making a decision because they had different, had um, slightly different knowledge. Technically, in Ultimate Avengers uh, issue 204, that says that could never happen. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. I haven't read Ultimate Avengers 204, and I frankly wouldn't care even if I had. Right. This is what's going on in my world. Deal with it. Deal with it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm happy to see that What If is a thing that's been pushed around a lot more to help yeah. with that. But yeah. What If doesn't exist in Forgotten Realms, and there's still people who crap all over people in yeah. Forgotten Realms. Yeah. And, like, uh, you, know, you, you and I had talked a little bit about, like, I, I offhandedly mentioned, I'm like, it would be great if somebody else ran a Tamriel game. I would love to be able yeah. to play in Tamriel instead of running it, you know. Right. And your immediate reaction was like, I, I could never do that. You know so much more about the world than I do. And I'm like... Yeah, but, yeah, but, like, come on. Yeah. You know, you'd run your version of Tamriel. Yeah. And, I, and I'd and i play in it. I I'd would still think there it. would, again, just like always, there'd be points where you'd be like, uh, all right, and your brain would roll for a half a second, and then I'd move on. I'd readjust. Yeah. Cool. Your, yeah. your understanding of how Shia Gorath interacts with Tamriel is different than mine. Okay, I've recalculated. Let's go. Let's keep going with this. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a madness. I can allow for this. Let's go. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I agree. I th- and the other thing is I think your players will help you with the source material yeah. in a role-playing sense. Yeah. it's it's it, Look, it, it, be collaborative about it. Mm-hmm. Communicate with your players. Find out what sort of t- stories they're trying to tell and what stories they're looking for from you. And and help them tell those stories. Yeah. You know? Likewise. And if you have to step on some cannon to get there, do it. Likewise, this game said it at the beginning. Forget about what your char- what you think your character knows. Mm-hmm. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is when people ask, like, oh, my God, what do I see? And they're like, well, you see this thing burrowing out of the wall. Oh, my God, it's a bugbear. Your character has never, you've never even left your village. How do you even know what a bugbear yeah, is? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We need fire to kill it or acid. Exactly. Like, oh. you know, sorry. Like, I'm sorry. You, you've gone too far. Stop it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so that, I mean, he asks, is there any tips on how to balance these competing priorities? They don't I compete. I don't think they compete. They don't compete. Yeah. Um, making sure your game is smooth and fun and fun for everybody. It trumps sticking true to the source material every single time. Yeah. Right. Movies show this well. Don't make a crappy movie, yeah. even if you've got a previous source material. Yep. Don't make a crappy movie. Yep. If it's a crappy movie, no one's going to like it, no matter how how true you are. The source material for anything, be it like you know, reading Forgotten Realms or Tamriel mm-hmm. or Lord of the Rings, is there to inform your game, but not dictate it. Correct. Yep. That's all. That's it. Simple as that. Go ahead. Nevum asks, uh, how to handle, uh, how to handle the different knowledge level around the table. Some people may have precise knowledge of history, the setting, and others have just seen the movies. I think we kind of addressed this one. Again, um, like, like I said, is like, forget for, what forget you know. Forget what you know. Yeah. Straight out of the gate. Forget what you know. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, uh, the, the other thing too is, you know, uh, like I said, it, my, my version's canon if I'm storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, sure. It, it may say in the Samarillion or whatever, you know, that this can't happen. It might've happened differently in the two towers. 
don't care. This is my story. This is this is the way it's going. This is my version of Eridor. Yeah. And and I I always have felt that you you always have that choice, but I can understand where you question it. Now, one thing I will say is um if if it is important to you, like I I do try to run like my Tamriel game very lore friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I want big most of it is a um it's a test for me to uh see how well i know my own lore um and how well i can piece a cohesive story set in tamriel together but also um it's a courtesy to you guys if you do any research on your own right if you go to uesp or watch some youtube videos i want what you see to jive with what i've presented correct you know correct um so if someone is more knowledgeable in the history and lore and stuff of like that, don't be afraid to tap them as a resource. Ask you them know? a question to speak make sure you in, get it right. Speak in vagaries. Ask them for their resources. Ask them for opinions exactly. on things. You know, you don't have to reveal your plot to them, but tap them as a resource. Yeah, you, and do it beforehand. Let's talk about that in your session zero. Look, make sure. Lore nerds love going off on hour-long tangents, so yeah. <laughs> Ask them questions. They'll They'll thank you for it. All right, so our next week's topic, we're back to regular show. We're going to be talking about controlled substances at the table. Because it's going to be 420. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. My brain just tripped on that one. <laughs> All right. So you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave, on MixLR. Uh, you can find it at MixLR.com, uh, Storyteller.Conclave, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. You can also find our link to our Discord on our Twitter or on our website at StorytellerConclave.com. Please come join the conversation. Oh, I want to give a big thank you uh, to our uh, named Patreon members, Knox in the Box, Sam, Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Vedran, Hulavu. Thank you for uh, month after month providing uh, uh, your assistance to keeping the show going, and uh, uh, we love you very much, as well as our other Patreons. Um, our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. The intro music was uh, Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music you're hearing now is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Mid machine find that up on freemusicarchive.org we'd like to thank our families vicky and sean uh who help us do this show and remind us every week uh that it's worth it uh and and you our friends our family who have stayed with us for our games and helped us craft uh all of the great stories that we do and finally you our listeners we love you so much we love you all good night good night